Welcome to the Behind the Headlines podcast from Lee Enterprises. I'm Terry Lipschett, senior producer at Lee, and your host for this episode. In the summer of 2021, I went for a routine physical and was a bit surprised when my doctor referred me for a colonoscopy. It wasn't a procedure I was expecting until I turned 50, but as he explained, new guidelines reduce the age to 45 to begin screening for colorectal cancer. Between the pandemic backlog and the influx of newly eligible patients, it took more than a year to finally get in for the screening. Despite some anxiety, all went well and I had prompt results. However, about a month after that, I began reading headlines calling into question the effectiveness of colonoscopies. Disappointing results on colonoscopy benefits was one headline. Another stated, new study suggests benefits of colonoscopies may be overestimated. So I wondered, did that screening actually benefit me? An expert in the field of colorectal cancer read those headlines as well and was not happy with the interpretation of the research. Dr. Franklin Berger wrote a response for the conversation titled, Colonoscopy is still the most recommended screening for colorectal cancer, despite conflicting headlines and flawed interpretations of a new study. We have a link to that article in the show notes of this podcast, so you can read the full report. After a short break, you will hear my interview with Dr. Berger, who discusses his article, The Importance of Colonoscopies, the reasoning behind a lower age threshold for the procedure, as well as alternative, less invasive screening methods. I'd like to introduce Dr. Franklin Berger, Director of Research and Outreach for the Colorectal Cancer Prevention Network at the University of South Carolina. Welcome, Dr. Berger. Thank you for joining the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Terry. As I mentioned in the introduction, we have a link for listeners to read the full story that ran in the conversation, but can you talk a little bit about that article and provide a brief synopsis? I wrote that article in response to a study that was conducted in Europe on the efficacy or or the the quality and outcomes of colonoscopy screening for colorectal cancer. And what attracted me to that was the the number of headlines, which were, in my view, very sensationalistic in calling into question a procedure that's been used in this country and promoted in this country in the United States for quite some time and has been shown to be uh, very effective at reducing the incidence and deaths from colorectal cancer. In fact, it's probably a major source of decreases in people over 50 years of age. And so I was stunned by the headlines that I saw. And when I looked at the the primary article, which was conducted by a very uh, experienced group uh, and published in a very highly regarded journal, I looked at the article and I saw that the article was um, misinterpreted by the headlines. And so I was very concerned about what people reading the articles with the sensationalistic headlines would conclude. And so uh, I was contacted by the conversation and we talked about this. They were very concerned about this. And so I wrote that article in response to primarily the headlines. I wasn't critical of the, the, the research or the work that was done. You know, you can pick a little things, a few things here and there, but basically I was concerned about the headlines and the tone of the news articles around this um, newly published piece on colonoscopies. What was the big issue then that uh, the headlines got wrong? So a major conclusion of the article and what was focused on in the headlines and in the articles underneath those headlines was the finding that amongst a very large randomized clinical trial for the effectiveness of colonoscopy conducted in four countries in Europe, 
they found only an 18% decrease in the incidence of colorectal cancer and no decrease in deaths over a 10-year follow-up period. If you look cl more closely at the uh, article, that 18% decrease in incidence and 0% decrease in deaths was done in a population of people where only 42% of those individuals underwent colonoscopy. And so I thought the news pieces were misleading because if you don't go through the procedure, you're not going to get a benefit, right? So that's the major feature. And this was discussed in the article. Uh, I think I would, if I was writing an author on this article describing this research, I probably would have written it in a little bit different way and changed the emphasis a little bit. I would have led with the outcomes of those people who actually underwent colonoscopy and then maybe talked about only 42% of those who were invited to undergo colonoscopy did so. That's an important finding in itself because that has to do with how do you get people to engage in a colonoscopy or any kind of uh, screening just by inviting them is not going to do it. So when they looked at the 42, just at 42% who were who underwent the procedure, they found that there was a 31% decrease in the incidence and a 50% decrease in mortality from colorectal cancer, which are numbers that are closer to what we found here in the United States. So those headlines really belied the, the specific findings of the article. I did see too in your article, you had mentioned that uh, of that 42%, uh, the percentage of participants from Poland was only 33%. Uh, it was it was above 60% in uh, in Norway. Do you have any uh, understanding as to the, the the reasoning behind the discrepancy between those samples? Yeah, I think it has to do with differences amongst various European countries and how much they promote and advocate for colonoscopy, how many colonoscopies they do. Most countries in Europe are doing mainly stool testing which is a non-invasive procedure and with a lot of variation from nation to nation in Europe, um, none of them are really up as proactive in promoting colonoscopy as we are here in the United States. But it does say in, in Norway versus Poland, there's probably a very large difference in how much they promote colonoscopies as a, as a primary procedure for colorectal cancer screening. You didn't mention this in your article, but I had read in another piece that there was some concern that the method, too, of, of colonoscopies in Europe versus the United States is a little bit different. So, for instance, in the United States, uh, almost everybody that goes through the procedure is sedated to keep them comfortable. However, in Europe, the practice is a little less frequent, so doctors may not be as invasive out of concern of keeping patients comfortable because it's it's obviously if you're wide awake for it, it may not be the most pleasant of exams. So can you talk a little bit about that? Is it, Does that sound accurate to you? Yeah, I saw those comments as well. I wasn't aware of that, but in a way, I'm, I'm not totally surprised, again, because it goes back to how much colonoscopies are promoted, how much training gastroenterologists get specifically in colonoscopies, what the standards are for those procedures, we have very high standards. So another factor in all this is the what's called the adenoma detection rate, which is the fraction of patients who undergo screening for whom there is a uh, adenoma found. We have pretty high standards in terms of what percentage is expected. And if gastroenterologists don't meet those expectations amongst the patients they screen, we raise concerns about that. From what I read, a significant number, I think as much as a third of the physicians who were providing the procedures in, in Europe in this study uh, did not meet the standards that we would expect here in the United States. 
So I think all those things go together, how much colonoscopy is promoted, how much, how many people engage in it, how high the standards are for uh, that gastroenterologists must meet for colonoscopies, all those things uh, interweave with each other to uh, create an environment that's just not as proactive as we are here in the United States with regard to colonoscopies. Why do you think the U.S. is so proactive in promoting colonoscopies? I think a lot of the initial studies were done here back in the 70s and 80s on colonoscopies. The procedures were developed. The medical societies got involved, especially the gastroenterological societies got involved in promoting the procedure once it was shown that this was a very effective way of not only identifying or diagnosing colorectal cancer, but seeing, observing early stage precancerous lesions and removing them at the same time. And so it was recognized back in the 80s that um, this procedure was effective in reducing what was what is considered and still is a fairly high incidence and in mortality from cancer. It's one of the more serious cancers and it's highly preventable. And so I think that drove the public health community and the research community and the physician community to promote this as a screen against a very lethal form of cancer. The American Cancer Society lowered its guideline for colorectal cancer screening to begin at age 45 rather than 50. Why the change? So we've recognized uh, that over the last three decades or so, people under 50 years of age, incidence and mortality from colorectal cancer was going up. Now, screening has typically been recommended until about a year ago for people 50 and over because it was recognized that at starting about the age of 50, incidences of colorectal cancer go up markedly. And so the, the screening programs were designed around recommendations where people 50 and over were encouraged to undergo screening because that's where the greatest risk are in older people. What we found is over the past several decades, people under 50, even people in their 20s and 30s, incidences of colorectal cancer have been going up. We don't know why, but it's fairly well documented um, by epidemiological studies and by um, comments you'll get from gastroenterologists who do procedures that they're seeing more younger people that in the younger population, which typically wasn't recommended for screening, uh, incidences of colorectal cancer and mortalities were going up, and that was a real concern. Some people have called it a serious public health problem that needs to be addressed. And so the American Cancer Society in 2018 changed their guidelines and lowered the age to 45. And over the past year, the United States Preventive Services Task Force actually changed their guidelines and lowered it to the age to 45, which is slowly but surely taking effect in the medical community. But it's a challenge to get younger people uh, to actually recognize their symptoms, be aware that they are vulnerable. This is not a disease only of the aged and getting younger people to screen and data on how well they're complying with screening, what it takes to get them to engage in screening. That's just starting to come out now. Those studies are ongoing to encourage the younger population, younger age population to undergo screening like we've been promoting in the older age population for a number of decades now. Do you see uh, the potential to lower that recommendation even further below 45 to let's say 40 or even 35? I think so. I think it will be, especially if these rates in younger people continue to, to increase. And one of the observations we made that people that the percent increase for people in their 20s has been greater than for people in their 40s. 
Now, the absolute numbers are much higher in people in their 40s than in their 20s, but the, the percent increase has been greater in people in their 20s. And so I've met groups of people and young people in their 20s and 30s who are fighting colorectal cancer, and it's a very, very emotional disease to be fighting, as you can imagine. Any diagnosis of cancer is difficult on the patient and on the family, but when you're in your 20s and your whole life is in front of you and you're planning to have a family, planning to start a career, uh, it's extraordinarily disruptive of that, and it's very, very emotional. And when I met a group of people, young people fighting colorectal cancer, that impassioned me to try to get involved and do something about it. Has there been any indication to why younger people are seeing a greater increase in the cancer, or, or is that not yet known? That's a very, very important question, Terry. Um, and it's a very important source of current research. We have ideas that some of the risk factors that are associated with older people are increasing the younger people, things like obesity, lack of physical exercise, dietary intake, antibiotic use when you're, when you're at a young age. A number of these things are, have been shown to be associated with the increase. How many of them and, and what contribution they make to the increase that we see, we just don't have a full idea yet, but that's a very active area of research. And there's suggestions that it may be, there may be risk factors that we don't know about yet that operate in younger people, but do not operate in older people. And only further research will tell us if that's the case or not. Besides the screening, is there any other indication that somebody, if they're having certain symptoms, is that they might want to reach out to their doctor about to consider? In addition to promoting screening, now that the guidelines have changed, we're also working to make young people aware of symptoms such as chronic rectal bleeding, cramps, unexplained weight loss, anemia, a number of risk factors that have been well known to be associated with possibility. And I say possibility because when you have these factors, that doesn't mean you have colorectal cancer, but it indicates that there may be a possibility that should be followed up by a physician. And so we're trying to make younger people aware of those symptoms so they don't just blow them off. And what's typically happened over the years is a 25-year-old would show up in a doctor's office with chronic rectal bleeding or, or chronic constipation or diarrhea, and the physician would just say, well, you're, you're too young to have colorectal cancer. It must be something else. Many times it is something else, such as hemorrhoids or gastrointestinal issues. But those symptoms do indicate the possibility, and so we're promoting the idea that people become aware of that and follow up appropriately. As important as a colonoscopy is to detecting polyps and signs of cancer, there's been some efforts to screen through alternative methods. Uh, I had mentioned to you previously uh, that I, I was one of those patients that fell under that between that 45 to 50 and, and didn't realize that I was due for, for a colonoscopy. And, and then my doctor started talking to me about it and the changes in the recommendations. He had mentioned, um, Cologuard, which many people may have seen on TV through advertisements as a possible alternative, but he raised some concerns over the effectiveness and the chances of false positives, but also false negatives. What options are out there? What should people consider, you know, besides in it, when, when we talk about these alternative methods to a colonoscopy, what should they consider? So a Cologuard is one of several stool-based tests that look for blood in the stool. And Cologuard in particular actually looks at DNA in the stool as well that may come from precancerous or cancerous lesions that exist. 
Uh, they are very effective. They're non-invasive. They're not as effective as colonoscopy. And also, they must be followed up by a colonoscopy if the text indicates so. So if, they're, if you do a fecal occult blood test or if you do a fecal immunochemical test, which are stool tests that detect blood, or Cologuard, which detects blood and DNA, possibly from lesions, if those are positive and indicate that there may be uh, something there, it has to be followed up by a colonoscopy because these tests are not preventive, they're diagnostic, and they're not as sensitive as colonoscopy. And Cologuard in particular, although it's getting better in the latest versions of Cologuard, had false positives. And that's a big concern in cancer screening because false positives mean that you have a positive test indicating there might be something there, and then when it's followed up, there's nothing there. That causes a, a lot of cost to the medical system. It causes a lot of stress and anxiety in the patients and their family while they're waiting for the final outcome. So we want to reduce in screening as much as possible with false positives. And Oligard initially was subject to that. But it's an effect. It's a very effective test. People are given choices. A lot of them choose Cologuard. They're aware of it from the commercials that you mentioned that are on television. So those kinds of stool tests are very effective alternatives, particularly for young people who may not uh, have insurance, may not want to undergo a colonoscopy. And so these non-invasive tests are uh, maybe more effective in getting younger people screened. But as I said, importantly, and I cannot overemphasize this too much, they must be followed up by a colonoscopy if there's an indication that there could be something there. Most recently, I think, I, and I put this in the article, um, there have been some blood tests that have been developed and are being researched now that look like they may be very effective in picking up early stage cancers, a number of cancers, including colorectal, and may be part of the armamentarium for screening that we have against colorectal cancer. Uh, and other cancers. And these blood tests are an area of very active research right now. Colonoscopy can be a little bit intimidating to a patient. There's obviously some prep work because you have to clean your system before you go in for one. It can be a little bit intimidating just by the nature of the type of screening it is. What, what would you tell somebody who might be a little bit apprehensive prior to a colonoscopy? The first thing I would say is these are very effective in preventing a disease that is a very serious disease. The other thing I would say is what people who've gone through colonoscopy will typically say, is say, I didn't want to do it. I wasn't comfortable. It was a little bit intimidating to me. But when I went through it and they, the doctor told me right away, you get the result right away from a gastroenterologist does the procedure. And when the doctor told me that he found a small polyp and he removed it, I felt relieved by that. So it's a procedure where you get the result fairly quickly right after the procedure is done, you get it. Uh, it's very reassuring if you get a result that you, there was nothing there, you're good to go, or we found the polyp and removed it. Either way, it's a reassuring procedure to undergo. And that's what I'm telling people. And I also tell them that people who've had colorectal cancer, colorectal cancer survivors will say, you don't wanna go through what I went through. It's easier to get screened than to fight this disease. So don't take any chances going get screened. Hearing that from survivors, it is very effective in getting engaged. Absolutely. Well, that's a good message to end this discussion on. Dr. Berger, I appreciate you taking some time to speak with me and uh, wish you luck in your work going forward. Thank you, Terry. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for your interest in this important topic. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Headlines. You can find us on every podcast platform, and we'd love it if you could take a moment to subscribe and leave a review. 
Finally, if you appreciate what we're doing with this program, we encourage you to invest in local journalism by supporting the newspaper in your community. I'm Terry Lipschitz. Thank you so much for listening to Behind the Headlines from Lee Enterprises. 